This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. Well, good evening and a warm welcome to In Such City Talks Rugby League Hour with you every Thursday between 6 and 7 with me, Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. And tonight we're joined by special guest in the studio, Mike Appleton, St Helens' media man, as we look ahead to the World Cup semi-finals this Saturday. And there are just four teams left, England, New Zealand, Australia and Fiji. So we'll hear from England coach Steve McNamara, who's made a couple of changes for, for the Wembley clash with New Zealand. I think it's the biggest game for England Rugby League since the last semi-final which uh, was against New Zealand in the last World Cup um, in 2008. Saints' James Roby says they need to pull their socks up if they're to get past the reigning champions. You know, we're made up to be in the semi-final. We know this week's going to be a massive week to, to build up to the game at Wembley against New Zealand, but um got to obviously give a better account of ourselves tonight and maybe roll into next week with a little bit more confidence. We'll also check in with Shauna Lachlan too. Well, ahead of that semi-final with New Zealand, we'll hear from Isaac Luke as well. He's been reminiscing about that saga with Rangi Chase a couple of years ago. If we do crash, if we do get into him, I'll do tackle him, I won't be going down near his ankles. That's something he'll be glad probably won't be happening as Rangi Chase has actually been dropped from the 19. That's been confirmed this afternoon. And we'll also chat to Saints' Mark Flanagan about his new contract and high hopes for next season at Langtree Park. I've loved... Um my two years up to now at Saints has been it's been great. Um, we initially uh, agreed on the contract before before I got my uh, my injury that ended my season, unfortunately. So we have loads to get through tonight. We'll also be chatting to New Zealand journalist Andy Rowe, who'll join us on the line, and London Broncos expert Ian Ramsdale. So plenty to get through. And as ever, if you want to get involved with what we're talking about tonight, you can do so on Twitter. We're at CityTalk1059, or just use the hashtag InTouchTalk. So good evening now to my co-hosts, Steve and Mike. How are you both? Good evening, Lauren. Good evening, everybody. I'm uh, absolutely ecstatic that uh, Steve McNamara appears to have seen the light. You, I thought you would be happy about this news. What about you, Mike? The, the news about Rangi Chase uh, being replaced by Gareth Woodup. I'm assuming that's what Steve's referring to. Yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for Rangi. You know, where are you? Hang on. Where, where have you gone? Say again. So I feel a little bit sorry for uh, for Rangi. He's a, he's a good player, but you know, perhaps, uh, perhaps his decision should have been made a few weeks ago. But, um, you know, these you things have to be done, Ra- don't they? You feel sorry for Rangi Chase not being in that side? <laughs> now Steve has a bit of a, a, a long-going issue with uh, Rangi Chase's inclusion in the side because he's still, you know, thinking, "Oh, is he should he be playing for England anyway?" Especially over the likes of Gareth Woodup, and I think this is something that you know people sit on both sides of the fence. On me, I'm in the middle. Well, that's a cop out, that Lauren, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I want I you under- two to argue about it. I understand the residency rule. We do it in every sport. They do it all over the world. But I just think that really. It just doesn't board well with the fact that he played for New Zealand Warriors, then he played for New Zealand, wanted to play for New Zealand, and hey oh, there's some class acts in front of him, so all of a sudden he becomes a Brit. It just doesn't it just doesn't rest with me and and I'm not jingoistic about, you know, everything's good about the British game, we should have British coaches, etc. etc. It just didn't it just didn't fit well for me and uh, in relation to Rangi Steve McNamara did put his neck out for him and he's not repaid him and uh, I'm glad Is that, that he's fair not to playing. say he hasn't repaid him? He hasn't exactly what have done we the won? opposite. What have we won? Well, three games in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones that we didn't win, he played in and we lost. Mike, you're a, you're media man at St Helens, so you're very good at uh, sort of talking the talk and spinning the spin, as it were. So what's your view on this? You can spin a good one out with this, Mike. You are a good one. It's quite difficult, really, isn't it? I I think that other sports have used the residency rule quite well. You know, um, English cricket, you know, we're all going to celebrate when they win the Ashes in the next... uh, Next month, you know how many of the the lads that play for England in English cricket are are English, you know. So, it's, I think it's just a fact of life. I've always said that um, you know if you qualify to play for England, um, all very well. If you're good enough to play for England, you should be in the team. And you know, Rangi's a Rangi's a special talent. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's been dropped. It's uh, it's uh, but being replaced by Gareth Woodup, which I don't think most people stand, would argue against. One of the top three standoffs in the world, right. playing in the best competition in the world. Yeah, I I agree with you, Steve. <laughs> to be honest with you, I just think uh, it should have been done. Uh, it should have been done a few weeks ago. I think that uh, Matt Namara's had his one, six, seven, nine, and thirteen looking quite settled. And then the the biggest game in uh, in English rugby league, you know, as you were saying, since the last semi final. But I think it's bigger this time because it's uh, you know there's uh, we're riding on the crest of, uh, crest of a wave in the World Cup. I think it's massive, and and to do it now 
you know, is that is that the best idea? Do you think they've considered all the situation, the saga with Isaac Luke and the whole breaking of the legs incident, the comments he made a couple of seasons ago? Do you think that would have come into it, Steve, scrunching up his face as if to say no? I don't think so. He's not doing what we wanted him to do. All right, I didn't agree that he was in, but I wanted I wanted Rangi Chase to prove me wrong. And sadly, he, he hasn't delivered. He, the game we wanted him to deliver in was the opening game so that we could have played Fiji in the semi-final that Australia have got. We're on a winner-take-all game now against the world champions. I'll be quite honest, the selections, and if he gets it right, and in my opinion puts Burrow on the bench as our impact player, we've got a slight chance. If we would have had the squad that, we've, that we had last week, I'd give us no chance. I think we've got a glimmer of the hope because we have got the best, one of the best three standoffs in the world playing for us. Well, we're going to chat to New Zealand journalist Andy Rowe. He was on the show on In Touch a couple of weeks ago. He's down in London at the minute, game ready for that game on Saturday. And I'm sure he'll have something to say about the squad selection as well. You said we might have a slim chance. Steve, that doesn't sound very positive. We were both at the DW on uh, Saturday evening to watch the, the win over France. Now, mm. I've got to be honest, I had a bit of a, a rant about this on City Talk Breakfast on Monday with Mick. I, Although we won, and the scoreline suggests convincingly, I sort of, I just got quite bored. I, I almost, I, I lost track of what the score actually was. Mm. And I didn't see anything inspiring that made me go, wow, that was really sort of standout good. I've seen the play from Scotland. I've seen the play from USA. Both had their exits last week. But they were they were playing a style of rugby that sort of made you go, wow, that was, that was really impressive. England winning, but, a, but very dull. In my opinion. I think, personally, when the lockers went over that try, you know, the game was won. And then we're expecting England, in, in, my, in my opinion, that uh, they'd kick on as New Zealand did and Australia did. And we just didn't. And it was boring. And, uh, you know, all right, we, we scored a try at the end. But, you know, the game was won. And that's when you should be doing the experiments. You run around this, that but and But there the wasn't other. any of that, really. Exactly. Does it matter? What, as long what? as we won? Well, yeah, because I'm really, I'm really concerned. We're going to play New Zealand on Saturday and we're going to get absolutely battered. I'm really worried about that and I think it would just be such a shame when we've had such a successful tournament and I think we do have the talent and the squad that can ensure that we won't get battered, but I just have yet to see them do something magical. Do you think it's because they haven't had the, the competition? We've been playing the likes of Fiji and Ireland and France have not really tested us. I think in a World Cup, you've just got to get through. And uh, yeah, we haven't been spectacular. We've been spectacular in parts, but you know we got through to the semi-final. And you know, would anybody complain if they produced a performance like they did last week and, and got through to the final? We journalists, then... of course, would complain. <laughs> <laughs> We'd complain that we want Rangi back, then, won't we? No, we would do. Steve, do you think we we could stand up and answer it when when we're facing New Zealand? Well, obviously, New Zealand haven't been tested. We have been tested against Australia, and we've failed. We were tested against Fiji and, you know, and our listeners know that I thought that Fiji had win that. But England had a good last couple of minutes in the first half and a brilliant quarter that uh, took that game, that third quarter. Uh, I'll stick my neck out. I'm going to go for an England win. Yeah? Mm. Well, I was about to think, think then that you were a little bit anti-England from all your comments. I'm never anti-England. I just want them to do the business. And uh, before before this change... I didn't give us a chance. I give us a chance and I'm going to tip England and I'm going to upset Mr Rowe when I speak to him because he bowed to me uh, at Warrington when England only lost by 20 points. And let's remember, I was the only one who tipped England. Well, let's hear from Saints' James Roby now who said that uh, it was a little bit disappointing their performance on Saturday and they all know they've got to do a lot better at Wembley. I think ultimately it was quite disappointing from our point of view. We, we obviously we got the, you know, the win by 30 points or whatever, but... Um, too many errors and, and just not as, as consistent a performance as we're capable of as an England side and we want to be performing a lot better than that going into a semi-final. The game itself, obviously, the game we perhaps won at half-time but the pleasing thing, you kept them pointless in that second half and got a couple of tries, more tries. Yeah, obviously it was pleasing to, uh, to keep them to that six points. They obviously got that early try and... Um, but you know we we kept it at that, which is it's quite pleasing. But ultimately, I think the way we uh, the way we played was was too many errors, and, and like I say, we we're just a little bit disappointed with you know the, the way it went and the way um, it reflected as us as a team. I think you know we're made up to be in the semi final. We know this week's going to be a massive week to to build up to the game at Wembley against New Zealand. But um, you know we we could have obviously give a better account of ourselves tonight and maybe rolled into next week with a little bit more confidence or a little bit more. Uh, more bounce if you like in our step but you know we'll, we'll rectify that we'll meet back up Monday and I'm, I'm sure it'll be a lot more intense this week 
and like I said, the big hit next week at Wembley against New Zealand for a place in the final, and it's winner take all, so to speak. Yeah, it doesn't get much bigger than that. It's a semi-final of the World Cup at the National Stadium, Wembley, so... You know, we don't get many chances to play in, in those sort of venues and, and obviously with it being a World Cup as well, it's, it's a great opportunity we've got in front of us and I'm sure a lot of the squad won't ever play in a World Cup again so you know, we need to grasp it why we can and, and like I say, go out there and give a true account of ourselves and, and show everybody that you know, we, we can win this World Cup. And finally, perhaps you, know, you, you are going to go as underdogs because at the end of the day they are the current world champions and they want to retain that crown. Yeah, we you know, fully accept that we'll go in as underdogs. There's, there's no reason uh, for us to argue that they're ranked number two, like you said, they're the current holders of the World Cup quality team. We know they've got great players across the board. They're all you know, regular players in the NRL. They all, they all go well, a lot of big household names. So we're up against it. I'm sure they'll be the favourites. Um, but you know, I'm very confident that in our team that you know, if we perform and get it right, we, we, can, uh, we can cause the upset and, and turn them over and get to the final. So, like we mentioned on that game on Saturday, Steve McNamara has both brought in Gareth Widdop instead of Rangi Chase and Carl Ablett's also been recalled. And McNamara admits it is the biggest game of his career for sure. Yeah, it definitely is, and uh, I think it's the biggest game for England rugby league since the last semi-final, which uh, was against New Zealand in the last World Cup um, in 2008. How different does the week's build-up feel, and how do you go about keeping the players level-headed and mm. focused on the job at hand? Yeah, I think this week has its own edge about it. You know, there's not too much the coaches, you know, and all the other staff need to do with the players to motivate the players. I think, you know, it's the semi-final of the World Cup. It's our national stadium, and we as a rugby league team, England rugby league team, don't get to play there too often. So for us to get that opportunity, it's um, you know brilliant for us. As the tournament's gone on, you've already said to me you feel that the team's got better and better game by game. That in itself has caused you a pleasant selection headache because you've got people vying for places. How do you go about selecting that match day squad right now? Yeah, I mean, we were a little bit off against France. You know, we probably post game, you know, was just really disappointed that we didn't play as well as we could do. But in reality, when we look at it, you know, we've got through from a quarter final against a, a tenacious French side, reasonable scoreline into a semi final. And we've got 23 fit players to choose from. So if you give me that situation at the start of the tournament, we certainly would have accepted it. Difficult. Selection's difficult. But we're going to pick the team what's right this week to play against New Zealand. Not, that's not necessarily the same team as last week. I suppose if you want to be critical of performances, it would be that whilst England played exceptionally well in patches, you've yet to put an 80-minute performance mm. together in this World Cup. Mm. How do you go about ensuring that you peak right now when you need to most? Yeah, I'd probably say we're not the only team in the tournament to do that as well. I think you know, most teams will be disappointed with certain aspects of their play. We're no different. We know we need to be very nearly at our best this week. You know, If we're not quite at our best, it has to be very, very close. Otherwise, uh, it's the last week of the tournament. and uh, We're intent on, on making sure that that is the case for us, that we're uh, well prepared and we come out the blocks. And I think you'll see a, a really strong England performance this week. And what about this New Zealand outfit? Because, of course, they are the defending World Cup holders. Yeah, and, and rightly so. They, they were great in the last tournament. You know, achieved uh, something what a lot of teams hadn't done before, which was beating Australia. And uh, they're probably stronger. I reckon they're a lot stronger now. But so are we. And I think it's um, a great credit to our sport that the way it keeps progressing and moving forwards. And, uh, you know, England and New Zealand, you say, you're going to see two very good teams on show on Saturday. Of course, in this tournament, when you talk about New Zealand, you can't do that without talking about Sonny Bill Williams. Mm. He's an exceptional player, isn't he? He is, but they've got plenty of exceptional players as well. But Sonny's obviously brought uh, a lot to the competition on and off the field, and uh, he's an exciting talent, you know, player that we respect, and uh, one that we're going to have to play very well against to, uh, to stop some of his threats. Of course, let's not forget, England have their own match winners in their ranks. You think of Ryan Hall, Sam Tompkins, to name but two. Big venue, big stage big time for the big players to step up isn't it yeah without doubt you know there's no, no bigger occasion like I said it's uh, it's on this week and our big players will stand up I think they're all big players to be fair I think we've got um, a really good performance in us and uh, I'm sure you'll see that on Saturday well, let us know what you think England need to do to beat New Zealand at Wembley on Saturday. Get in touch with us tonight on Twitter. You can find us at CityTalk1059 or use the hashtag InTouchTalk. It's time for a short break now, but afterwards we'll chat about London Broncos, who this week announced they're intending to go into administration. That's all to come on In Touch. In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown, City Talk 105.9.
Welcome back to In Search on City Talk 105.9. I'm Laura Moss. Steve Manning joins me too, as does Saints' media mogul, Mike Affleton, who's laughing at the use of the word mogul there. We're going to talk St. Helens now, so get your mogul head on. The um, squad numbers have been announced for the new season, and uh, we see that uh, Paul Wellens has given his number one jersey to uh, Johnny Lomax, who's obviously taking the position fullback at full time. That's right, yeah. Um, I suppose you could say it's a, bit, a little bit of an end of an era at uh, Saints. You know, Paul's had the number one shirt for a, for a long time. He did originally wear 21 and he's also worn 17. So you could say he's now gone back to uh, gone back to 17. Um, well, always, he's one of the nicest guys you can meet and, and he is absolutely delighted that, that Johnny Lomax has, has come in and uh, and is full back and he only ever wants to see, see the team do well anyway. Um, so as long as there's somebody there to uh, to take over him who's going to take the team forward, then then Paul's completely fine with that. And how long has Willow got left on his contract? Is it now? Is it another year now? Yeah, he's uh, he's just signed another year. So uh, so yeah, we'll have a captain with us for another year at least. Hopefully, at least. At least yeah. He's um, he's out with the England camp at the minute with the training situation and so on. If you checked in with him, how's it all going there? Yeah, he was up at uh, he was up at our Cowley training training facility today. Um, we're continuing pre season training, so. He was uh, he was running with the lads today, uh, and then he, he he drives down tomorrow to to be with England. So he said he's really enjoyed it. It's been a good experience, and and also the opportunity for the England players to take advice off uh, you know probably one of the game the game's all time greats. I think. And to mention the the new signings that are coming in, you've got Mossy Masso in there, on number eight shirt. Luke Walsh taking over at number seven from Johnny Lomax. Kyle Amor sixteen. Richard Beaumont twenty, and Matty Dawson as well. So I mean, when are you going to get these boys in, and how are you going to be? Sort of how, how how much time do you think they're going to get to see how they're playing together before preseason really starts with the friendlies and so on? Well, quite a few of the lads here already. You know, Luke Walsh arrived on on Monday. He's a poor lad. He's a, he's jet lagged. Uh, I think he's a, I think his lad was um, giving quite a hard time on the way over on the plane as well. So uh, so he looked really tired. He'll start training with us uh, pretty much pretty much immediately. Uh, Richard Beaumont's with us and, and he's training. And Kyle Moore's been training now for for a couple of weeks. So. Uh, and Matty Dawson as well. I think people think uh, people forget about Matty. You know, he was, he was kind of signed a little bit under the radar, uh, and they've all been training. And yeah, they, they, they do look good already. Well, you spoke to uh, Mark Flanagan this week. He's had a bit of an injury hit season, but he signed a new two-year contract extension and says it was an easy decision to make. I've loved um, my, my two years up to now at Saints. It's been it's been great. Um, we uh, initially uh, agreed on the contract before before I got my uh, my injury that ended my season, unfortunately, but. You know the club stayed true to its word and honoured the contract, uh, which was great for them. And um, yeah, I was I was really pleased that they you know they, they stuck by me even though I'd you know I'd suffered quite a serious injury. So hopefully I can replay the club and you know get um, get some silverware uh, with the rest of the lads and have a good uh, 2014. Were you worried when you got the injury that perhaps you wouldn't uh, be able to see that two-year contract? Yeah, I was a little bit. Yeah, you know when you suffer. You know, such a serious injury. You know, a lot of things come through, come through into your mind, and that was one of them. I th- but you know, Eamon and, and Mike Rush and Brownie and everybody involved, you know, stuck by me, which which is great. So, you know, I, I just need to repair their faith in me now. I think. Yeah. Did it make it worse that there was a, there was a lot of new players coming in as well? Did that kind of put, put a couple of doubts in your mind? Oh, well, thankfully they've not signed any other back rowers, so it's it's all good, really. Um, no, we, we, I think the club, the squad needed strengthening a little bit, and. You know, we've brought some quality players in, so hopefully, I think they'll be able to um, offer a lot to the to the team. And you know, competition for places is great for any squad because you know it brings the best out in, in each individual. So, you know, we'll have a good good big squad for next year, and you know, hopefully, we can can um, can go well. Okay, so now entering pre-season, are you are you good to go? Are you are you running with the lads? Yeah, yeah, I've been um, the last couple of weeks. I've, I've started full training, so I've been um, getting involved in a few fitness sessions, which has been tough. Um, but you know you, you need to get that baseline fitness ready for the season, and you know it's 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 quite good being with the lads rather than being stuck in the gym on my own every day. So, you know I'm quite thankful that pre-seasons come round. People hear a lot of thing about pre a lot of things about pre-season and how how difficult it is, how hard it is. Is there any way you can explain it to the listeners? Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's a pretty tough time of year. Um, you, you've got to work hard because otherwise, you know you're not going to be fit enough for the start of the season. It's um, you know which. An example is Saturday morning. We we got in at six o'clock, whilst most people were having a lie in, and we um, we had a couple of mile run to a local gym and did a, a CrossFit training session, which is um, quite a tough session. Then ran back, so that's just a bit of an example. Like you know, even on weekends we're working hard, and 
you know, getting our fitness levels up there to for what's required for for this new season. Fantastic, and you obviously looking forward to the new season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we've got a great squad. I mean, it'd be good to see Johnny Lomax have a full season at fullback. Um, I look like to Luke Walsh in seven, and 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 Jade Robbie in nine. We'll, we'll add a lot to, you know, to our squad. And think having those three players in key positions will will will, will be will be good for us because we'll have a, a strong spine and. You know, with our forwards and, and some young outside backs, I think we'll be a force to be reckoned with for sure. Yeah, I can already see inside that you're starting to bond with your new teammates and you've got Mossy Masai coming in, uh, C.S. Oliola's uh, on his way back from Samoa. Is it uh, a good time for Saints fans, do you think? I think so, yeah. I think, you know, last season was tough for us with the injuries and, you know, a lot we had a lot of changes with the coaching staff and all that sort of stuff. So we can have a bit more stability this year and, you know, hopefully be a bit luckier with injuries, touch wood. Um, yeah, I think we'll go well. Like I said, you know, we had a lot of adversity last year, and you know, towards the end of the season, we were coming good, and you know, we lost to Leeds in a, in a tough match, but we were a match for anybody. So, if we can improve on that this season, then you know, I don't think there's any reason why we can't win some silverware. That Saints is Mark Flanagan, who signed a new contract at Langtree Park. And um, Mike, that was you chatting to uh, Mark. There, you had Australia Fiji at Langtree Park. What was the, the sort of the World Cup furore, as it as it were, going on at the time? It must have been pretty hectic. It was a fantastic experience. We also had uh, we had uh, the Kiwis up at Cowley uh, the week before. We were using our training facility, which was again to to get to work with the likes of you know Sonny Bill Williams, who everybody wanted to speak to, and. And yeah, we like, were there actually, weren't we? Both crowding around yeah, with our microphones. Yeah, yeah. Miss Moss was a smoozing. I got in a couple of questions actually. Smoothing. Asked him if he wants to come play in Super League. Anyway, Mike, please continue. Well, that's <laughs> true. I mean, I've done uh, Wembley press conferences after finals and you know pre-finals, and you think that you know a room full of 50, 60 journals is quite a big thing, and, and then. As you found out when when Sonny Bill Williams was up at Cowley, I've never seen a media scrum like that in rugby league. For, oh, really? For you know that was yeah. uh, that was pretty mad. But what what great opportunity to work with those guys. And then Australian Fiji at Langtree Park, fourteen thousand people on an absolutely horrific night. Uh, it was it was Baltic. I, you know conditions like that don't come round too often. You know torrential rain and you know both sides played really well. And it, Langtree Park faithful got behind Fiji, which was. Which was good. There was a good uh, Fijian support in the in the ground as well, and kind of out what you say is the, the Saints Speckies fed off that, uh, and it and it, it was a it was a good thing. And you know when they all got together at the end, the Aussies and the the Fijians on the on the pitch in the in the kind of the big circle and, and said a prayer. That was uh, I've heard a lot about that and it being so moving because I wasn't actually at that game, so I haven't I haven't seen it, but that. That the prayer that they've been doing has been really moving and making quite a lot of headlines in itself. Yeah, I think the um, I think the uh, the one at Langtree Park was the first time they did it, and I think a lot of people were quite surprised. A lot of fans clapping, and I went to the uh, Fiji uh, Samoa game mm. at the weekend when the whole crowd just fell silent, and uh, I got to admit, for a bloke, I had a lump in my throat and a tear coming out my eye, and it was just a, you know hairs on the back of your neck type thing. It was quite a moving experience, and it, it just shows the the kind of bond between teams off the field and not lumps off each other not lumps out of each other on the and field then stop and then stop before and, and after and do that yeah. what do you make of their chances again this weekend against Australia I think it's going to be tough I was saying to, I was saying to Steve before that uh, you know they beat Samoa by being uh, structured uh, they were very structured you know f- five drives and a kick uh, the wingers were coming in and working really hard I think they'll have to do that probably four five hundred percent to get within you know, twelve, eighteen of Australia. I think Australia are just are just too good. But you, you know, you never know. Steve, I think they'll think that obviously we, we've talked about that uh, performance and the weather conditions when they played at uh, St Helens. And I watched them in that first game. I thought this is going to be a cracker, but the conditions didn't help either side. Now, hopefully, they can show what skill they've got at Wembley. But I think it's like Mike says, you've, it's like England. They've got to be focusing one hundred percent from the first minute to the eightieth minute because. Australia will just hit you. And if they see a weakness, they will play on that weakness. It'll be interesting this time to see how Pietro Cena-Siva, who's playing his last game ever, and he's Fijian, plays against a side that he won all those caps for. And uh, there should be some great impact sort of thing. And uh, like I said, they've got to be structured. Um, I don't think it'll be a, a, you know, a silly score. I think it'll be competitive. Uh, by competitive, 20, 20 points, 25 points, 26 points. But, you, you know, you'd fancy Australia because of the pedigree and they feel that uh, they owe they the fans one and the country one with the, the failure they made five years ago. But we fancy in a, a couple of upsets. You're uh, already tipping England with a slim chance. Yeah. So could Fiji? No. I, I, you know, it, 
We all. I live, would we love all for live, it to be different to how we all thought. Story. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I mean, well, I have a sporting partner. I wouldn't encourage anybody to follow me on a Fiji England final, but you know, it's a waste of money. But then again, you just never know. Do you? That's a bit of a sweeping statement. Waste of money. Well, it's great if you win, but uh, you know, it's. Steve McNamara said that England haven't yet hit their their straps yet. Haven't got not playing the way they they could be playing. Do do you think we could say the same for Australia and New Zealand, or have we already seen what they can do, and we're just going to see more of that this weekend? I personally don't think either side have got out to third gear. Um, England were 10-0 up, should have took advantage in that opening game because Australia hadn't had a warm-up. They'd not played together as a side for about two, three months. You can do all the training you want in the world. It's what you do on the pitch. And then for that first half hour, we look really, really good. And I'm thinking, we can't win this, we can't win this. But then, you know, form's temporary, class is permanent, and Australia showed what they could do. From a New Zealand point of view, they've got better and better in every game, but I don't think they've uh, got out to third gear yet. No, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you there, Steve. I think that New Zealand, they, they have, uh, when they come out in the second half, they have slackened off a little bit and teams have got at them. But like you say, they've, you know, this is a semi-final. They've got to play England and, you know, I just can't see it happening. I think they're going to be too strong on the edges. I, I'd love to I love an English win. I'm sure everybody listening will love an English win. But, you know, you've got Sonny Bill running at you and, you know, Jason Nightingale's going to play and they've got some, you know, big forwards who are just getting going. It's It's going to be tough, isn't it? Well, I think records are there to be broken, aren't they? And we have got a good record against uh, New Zealand over here. All right, you could say some of the sides that have come away, they've been substandard start sides that they brought over because there's not been a lot of incentive for the Tri-Nations, the, the Quad Nations, but they do mean business. They are the world champions and they're not going to give that up lightly. That's right, yeah. I think um, I think people sometimes forget that the Kiwis are the world champions because all the focus is always on... Australia, and then when Sonny Bill announced he was playing for New Zealand, all the focus was on Sonny Bill, not the fact that, that the Kiwis are an absolutely outstanding team, and uh, you know they want to show the the world of rugby league that uh, they're good enough to win it again. There is a, a story that's gone a little bit under the radar in the in the media this week that would have the Isaac Luke Rangi Chase situation a couple of seasons ago when uh, Rangi said that he'd be playing for England uh, during the Four Nations. Uh, Isaac Luke admitted freely that when he came up against him that he wanted to break his legs and actually got into quite a lot of, of grief back remember, home. Yeah, and I remember being at that game. That was at the KC Stadium. What a, what a warm stadium that is at this time of the year. But we'll not go down there on the East Coast. But uh, he, whatever he did, he meant it. I mean, there, were no, there was no holding back. And I, I can't remember if they got suspended or not for it. Uh, but it, it didn't look good. Well, he says he just saw red. And you know, and a lot of the legends that played in the black and white jersey, I'm quoted now, they wanted... Blood. Um, he's been speaking to Andy Rowe actually ahead of this weekend's uh, qu- uh, semi-final because he thought he would be coming up against Rangi again. We now know that isn't happening because he's not been included. Um, but this is actually quite fascinating the, and, and quite shocking, the grief he received back home because of a number of other things that were going on in the NRL as well. This is Isaac Luke. Ever since it happened, I've been trying to mend everything. The Kiwi team that year and then my family. And you know, I've got three lovely children that will be affected by if I carry on with those kind of actions. So. I'm just going to like do my guard there and do my job. And now if we do clash, if we do get into a, if I do tackle him, I won't be going down near his ankles. How do, from the outside, from I guess that's sort of the way that media thinks is, you know, that we don't really see how it does affect you. But um, how, how, how did it? No, it stung me pretty bad. Um, and my family got abused by my family back home. Um, and I've got I've got kids that are in school now, so you know, what 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 I all my actions you know, they have consequences of their bad, so, and it goes back on to you know, my children and all that stuff like parents, like parents of other children. I remember going to school with my son, and I got bagged because we beat the bulldogs. It's, it's around the bulldog area, you know, so. Um, and I, no, I went to watch my son's uh, school presentation, and, and I got bagged again. You know, so now they, they they got different people out there, but you know, like I said, my consequences they have uh, they have, they affect everyone. How do you deal with something like that? If you're going to like your school, oh, I don't know. Like oh, I didn't know how I was gonna like I was starting to sweat, and then I just start oh, like I walked away. As soon as my son finished, I pulled him off. Let's go, my boy. And I just went home. I, I was blowing up, but um, you know I can't do nothing about it. I'm just, 
I'm just going to have to get on with the day and the night. If I was the coach, I'd be asking Isaac Luke questions about the Burgess brothers. <laughs> have you been offering any sort of insight on how to stop them or what they like doing? Or now Sam's one of the best best players in the world. George is the rookie of the world, the rookie of the year. You know, so it's it's going to like I said, it's going to be a massive challenge. And it's not just only them two. It's you know, Sammy Tompkins at the back. It's uh, you know Simfield. He's he's a he's a veteran. You know, he's a veteran of the game and he knows the game inside out. Um, now I'm a big fan of uh, Roby. Um, he's James Graham. He, you know, there's a lot of superstars in that team and. We're just going to have to try and contain them as long, as long as we can and, and then we'll see how it fans out for us after that. That's Isaac Luke speaking to Andy Rowe, New Zealand journalist, who joins us on the line now. Evening, Andy. How's it going? Good evening. It's going well. Yeah, good wee chat with Isaac Luke. He's a nice nice young fella and um, pretty genuine about what he's saying as well. You know, he's, 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 not, a, he's not a grub and he's, he's not a bad guy. He's, he's, a, he's a lovely sort of quiet, unassuming chap. He's very he's quiet. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but when he's out on the field, especially when he's doing the harker, he's completely the opposite by the looks of things. And what he was saying then was about the grief that he got back home was actually really quite shocking for for you know any sportsman or you know and a dad capacity. You know, he was going to get his little boy from school to to say he must have been quite surprised, and he was he was just telling you all that quite openly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing is with uh, where his son goes to school, it's in a. Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs area, and I don't know if you know those supporters well, but um, they can be a little bit testy. They can, they, if, if there's any sort of fans in the NRL that are the ones that are going to be violent or cause a scene, it's probably the Bulldog supporters. And um, you know, his son, and he's, he plays for the Rabbitohs, of course, so he's taking his son to training uh, to, to school there, and uh, he caught a bit of grief from a from a parent there, so. Um, you know, league fans can be can be pretty passionate at times. I suppose, like the old football fans in in the uh, UK. So, Andy, uh, we want you to bring it now on City Talk on In Touch because Steve reckons that England do have a slim chance of beating you guys on Saturday. Myself, I'm not so confident, although I am expecting us to put out a much improved performance on Saturday, and I'm expecting a close scoreline. Possibly. England could do it, but I'm trying to be realistic here. So uh, what do you reckon our chances are? A lot of sitting on the fence again, Andy, as she did five weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve might have a good argument because if you look at our left edge, where it was a problem at the start of the tournament, but then it became a, a strength for us. They've sorted out that left edge. But now they've lost Manu Vatavai, who's the wing on the left edge, Massive loss for us. We've got Jason Nightingale coming in there. He's a very good player. and the form player for the last five years for the St. George Illawarra Dragons in the NRL and played, I think he's played about 17 tests for the Kiwis. So he's a very good player. But still, that combination is going to be an issue. And you go further infield, Frank Pritchard has now been bracketed uh, to start. He's, he starts, he plays on the left edge as well. He's been bracketed uh, with Alex Glenn. He picked up a hamstring injury at training yesterday. So if the if England had got any hope of beating the Kiwis, I would presume that's the channel that they will be having to go down because on the other side, you've got our right edge of Sonny Bill Williams and Dean Fade and um, Simon Mannering and uh, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik and Sean Johnson and those guys haven't really let much go through there at the moment. But, you know, if they, if they, don't, if they don't take advantage of that and uh, the home crowd, then you've got to imagine that the Kiwis are just going to be too big and too strong because the size of the Kiwis across the park, not just the size, but the X factor that they've got in just about every position, you know, on paper, and we all know it doesn't usually come down to on paper, but on paper, the Kiwis should do this. I don't, I don't know if size always counts when you, you look at like Sam Tompkins and what he can do. You're looking forward to seeing him going up against Kevin Locke? Yeah, well, Kevin Lockyer, he's got the start against uh, Josh Hoffman. He's overtaken him after a pretty good performance last week. Lock, I think, is going to go pretty well. I watched him against Scotland, and he's he's looking very, very motivated. And, you know, he, he's a quality player. I don't think Sam Tompkins coming to the, the Warriors is actually a shoo-in to go into fullback because, you know, Kevin Lock, he's, he's quality. He's fast. He's agile. He, he's got all the manoeuvres, uh, and he's... He's been playing well backing up his support carriers as well. So 
Um, yeah, I am looking forward to that battle, and I don't think it's going to be all one-way traffic. Sam Tompkins gets, you know, he's a, he's a very good player, but he does get a lot of talk around him. And you know, for for one player to have that much focus as a back as well, it's kind of I think it's kind of um, a little bit too much because the, the game of rugby league it's built around forwards, isn't it? So you know, for one, those two to shine, it's going to come down to who plays well in front of them. I must admit, when we spoke all them was weeks ago, you know my thoughts on Rangi Chase, and uh, I think uh, Steve McNamara has seen the light. Could he be the difference? To me, he's going to be the difference starting, and the fact that hopefully, if he puts Rob Burrow on the bench, I started saying we've got a slight chance. I, I do think we'll, uh, I do think we'll win. But the magic of uh, Gareth Widdop, you've probably seen a lot more him than I have, and some of our listeners, and he is a class act. And I was just wondering why he was there up to uh, McNamara making the decision he has. I'm not. I mean, Gareth Whitup. Yeah, he's been in a quality side, and a lot of a lot of players come out of that Melbourne Storm uh, team. Like we've got Jesse Bromwich and um, in, in our front row, and a lot of guys come out of that Melbourne Storm side, and um, they come out with big reputations. But I think, and I think sometimes those reputations can be a little bit distorted by the players that they're playing around. Because if you look at the spine of the Melbourne Storm team, you're talking about the best players in the world. You've got Cameron Smith. Cooper Cronk and, and Billy Slater and those guys are going to win your games where whatever team they're playing in and whoever plays around them is naturally going to play well you saw Adam Blair the Kiwis prop, uh, he's not with the squad this year, he didn't make it but he, he, was, he was always a regular in the Kiwis team when he was playing at the Melbourne Storm so whether or not, um, whether or not Gareth Widdop can hold that same sort of form when he's playing away from those guys is, is the key for me. Oh, interesting decision to Drop Rangy Chase heading into the semi-final. I thought he played all right last week, and um, you know, as far as rugby league goes in combinations, you'd think you'd think that Steve McNamara would want some consistency, especially around the halves. So, very very odd call for me. Andy, we're going to have to take a break now, but very quickly, if New Zealand lose, can you promise us some kind of forfeit? I'll be seeing you for the forfeit on Saturday, young man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to another one of those cuddles from you like I got the other weekend, Steve. Well, you, oh, fair play for our listeners. You did bow when we only lost by 20 points. I think we'll win by 10. Oh, it's a massive call, massive call from someone that knows the rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, we'll speak to you very soon and uh, may the best team win on Saturday. Thank you very much. Take care. It's time for another short break now on City Talk 105.9, but afterwards we're going to talk about the London Broncos situation and hear from Sean O'Loughlin as well. In touch. In touch. On City Talk 105.9. It's City Talk 105.9. It's In Touch with me, Laura Moss, and Steve Manning, who's... uh, Rocking out to the Steve Manning mega mix. Uh, Saints' media man Mike Appleton is here too. Before the break, we were joined on the line by Andy Rowe, New Zealand journalist, as we talked everything about England versus New Zealand this Saturday in the World Cup semi-final at Wembley. Guys, we've got to talk about London Broncos' major situation going on there. They announced this week their intention to go into administration. Super League fixtures were also announced this week. They're on there, no doubt about that. Where are we seeing this this going? Are we seeing London disappearing altogether from Super League, being replaced by a championship team? Or is someone going to come in, buy them out and get a whole new squad of players? I think that the game plan is for someone to buy in and uh, get them an all new squad of players. But the problem is they're going to start on minus, I think it's four points normally for administration. Now, I'm just going to look at it like this. I know the guys put a lot of money in. They're going into administration. There are a lot of people who owe money and they ain't going to get the money, which I just find perverse. Uh, the, all right, we do need a London club, but the fact that there are people who, you know, burst in their gut to survive in that world of uh, commerce, and they're going to be out of pocket. It's uh, it's a cop out in my opinion, and uh, whatever happens to them happens to them, and to me, it deserves it. I don't think they'll be having the oh, rallying. Dear. Say what you really mean. Well, I am. Well, well, <laughs> well you know, I, I, could sit on, I could sit on the fence, but I'm just being quite honest. There's people out there who've put money into that club and they're owed money yep. and they ain't going to get it because of uh, this situation. And I know that David Hughes has put all this money in, but the fact is, you know, pay your debts and then go into administration. It seems to be that we're having this situation with a club a season. It was Bradford, now it's London. We had Salford as well this year mm. as well. So maybe it's two clubs a season. Uh, wouldn't like to place bets on, on, oh, wait, on, on who's next. Yeah. Um, 
Do we need a club in the capital? There's a, a big argument for this because, you know, the, the, the fan attendance is, isn't great. But is it important for the spread of rugby league as a whole to have a, a side down there? Mike, you have to go down there at least once a season with St Helens. What do you think? I think well, it's difficult for me to talk from a from a club point of view anyway about uh, about London because obviously we've got to you know find some way of playing them next season. But mm. uh, I think personally, with with everything that's going on in London, you know, there's a very very strong amateur game. I think there's a there's a stat that says that there's more kids playing rugby league in in the London area than there is in St Helens and Wigan. I think that's a where did that stat come a from? Stat that's come out through the RFL at, right. at some point. Well, it would be right though because it is the capital, isn't it? So there's more people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Effective argument there. I think if you if you got all that good work going down there, and you've also got what's happening with London Scholars, then yes, there does need to be a team. Um, I, I think that personally, when when London went to Wembley in nineteen ninety nine, that was the real opportunity yeah. for the game to grow down there, and it did. As an away fan uh, heading down to London, is absolutely, you know, it's an outstanding weekend. You know, you find you can stay over, you know, a couple of drinks, hopefully your side win, and you come back, and it's a it's a brilliant experience. But it's not going to be the same experience if there's you know, a thousand fans, two thousand fans, and somebody needs to to get hold of it really. And uh, I know uh, Mr. Hughes has put a lot of money in, um, but just need to kind of get hold of it and uh, see what I can do with it. Perhaps they're in the wrong location. You know, they've they've moved a, a few times. I thought it was it was great at Charlton, and then when they moved to to Brentford with the four pubs on the mm, each yeah. fantastic mm. as a away fan that was brilliant. Say they get saved as well. Um, are they going to have a roster of players? Because with with so many lights of Tony Club going to Wigan and so on, are they going to be able to put out a first team? I think it's going to be difficult because they've got the youth set up coming through. But the bottom line is that uh, they're going to be on minus four points before the season starts and there's relegation. Guys, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. It's coming up to 7 o'clock on City Talk 105.9. But if you listen to the In Touch podcast, which will be available to listen to in the next 30 minutes at citytalk.fm, you can hear more of this conversation and from Wigan's Shauna Lachlan as well. Quick score predictions for this weekend. It is the semi-final, England, New Zealand. Oh, it's a difficult one. But I think um, New Zealand by 20. I think New Zealand by 8. 26-16 for England. Steve, Mike, thanks very much for joining us wherever you're heading this weekend. Down to London, safe trip, and we'll catch up with you very soon on City Talk 105.9. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. Hello again, it's the Extra In Touch podcast on City Talk 105.9 with me, Laura Moss, Steve Manning and Mike Appleton as we ran out of time on the show just before as we were in the middle of discussing London Broncos' plight and I had to quickly cut off Steve and Mike as they were talking about that. Now, Mike, we were saying um, before about how it is important to have a, a team down in the capital. Steve says possibly not otherwise and then I asked Steve if he thought that they would even have a team together to play next season as the fixtures have been announced. Steve, would you like to elaborate on that now in like full longer sentences instead of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking I, ten to the dozen? I must apologise if people thought what 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 gear have I got into? Uh, but I got <laughs> it Lord, wasn't pre-recorded. I got, and I'd got Lauren. I got Lauren winding me up. But but what I was trying to say is that uh, basically the, the players have have gone. They've got to start from fresh. They've got a fantastic academy side who uh, beat the Wigan academy side last year. So they've got the potential there but they haven't got somebody to steer them around the field. All the experienced players have gone. A lot of the coaching staff have gone. And a lot of the, uh, was it with the back group, back, yeah. back, background boys are there, you know, the physios, et cetera, et cetera. I know Tony Ray's there, and when he first went to the club again, it looked as if, here we go, they're going to have a great season, but they just imploded. And, uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, you don't want to be getting beat 50, 60 nil every week sort of thing. You want a competitive side. And I think I was trying to elaborate on, they're going to start with going into administration on a minus four points and there is relegation and obviously the RFL are train, playing a straight bat for everybody. They've not been given any special dispensation so it's it's a worrying factor. Now, whether they'll find their own feet if they should get relegated or not, I don't know but it's a, it, it is a problem and we do need some sort of London presence and we don't want it in the championship. I think they'll find the team, Steve, I think. I think that uh, when a new team starts there's always people who want to go on want to go and play for them, they'll be able to tap into that academy system, whoever's left there, obviously, and be able to tap into the scholars, which, as you say, it's who, you know, are they going to be competitive? You know, 
it's uh, as as, be, as has been proved, it's difficult to get fans, um, home fans, to go to London, and if they're only getting you know two, three thousand this season, plus you obviously your thousand big, big away support. If your team's getting shellacked 50, 60, 70 points a game, it's going to be even harder to get the home fans there. So it's going to be difficult. I think, you know, especially this season, they, they had some good signings there. Obviously, you know, Gower, he, he was outstanding mm. against us that day. I mean, obviously, we didn't have any halfbacks that day with, with no disrespect to uh, to um, uh, John Wilkin, who was actually suspended that day. But, uh, you know, he, he dragged them around the park really well. And there was a lot of experience there, but it didn't really seem to galvanise the team around him, did they? No, I mean, the, the disappointing thing was that the players on paper that they'd signed about three or four or even more had got experience of playing in grand finals. Now, the cynic would say, oh, they just came for the money. And at times, with the performances, the performances while they've been there, you, you, you would say that. But the problem is now, all right, somebody comes in and all of a sudden it's uh, panic, panic. We haven't got any players. We're going to end up buying journeymen. Then we may have the situation as how many overseas signings are they allowed? And I must admit, you've got to have a degree to figure out whether you're an homegrown, you're not homegrown, you're this, that and the other, and uh, they'll be wanting special dispensation, and I don't think they are. I don't think the Super League clubs, because they tried to get it, I think they tried getting it earlier on, and the, the Super League clubs were saying, no, there's no special dispensation. So it's going to be it's going to be chaos, and like I say, they're opening fixtures, you want to get off to a winning start, and like I say, they're going to be on minus four points, so they didn't win many games last year, so where are they going to get the wins that keeps them in Super and another situation as well is even if you get the the people coming in with, with the money and the the players coming in that are interested in playing for the club, when you've got possibly promotion relegation coming back in and we're going to be losing a side, it's most likely going to be London. I mean, we've yet to see what Salford are going to do and, and and Wakefield and Castleford and so on, but really odds are on it's probably going to be London that's going down because of all the reasons that you've just listed. Who are you going to find that's going to want to come in, take that over, only to be dropping down to a, a lower league in twelve months' time? I think that's it because at the end of the day, the end of the day, whoever's going to come in are going to come in because of the fact that London Broncos are in Super League and it's going to take somebody with a lot of money, somebody with a lot of character because, you know, we did have the situation obviously at uh, Salford last year, all right, uh, the mad doctor came in and I can call him that because he likes being referred to it as that, but that season really, I mean last season, you know, Salford flattered to deceive and, uh, you know, they had got, they'd got some decentish players but at the moment... Um, I can't even think, I'm trying to think as we're talking of uh, who might still be there, who's, with no due respects, any good, and uh, the good ones have gone, unfortunately. At Salford you're talking about? Or no, London? no, at, sorry, at London. At London? No, I struggle to think as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that's that's where we're up to. Where do they get, you know, all these loans? Is there going to be great. another Marwan Kukash coming in? Is that what we need? We do need them, but there's not that many knocking about, is there? Uh, that, that, that's the problem, and uh, you would like to think somebody with vision would do that from uh, London. The the guy who's involved in this move, he's supposed... It's called Whitcutt, I think, isn't it? He's supposed to be in... No, Kleinos or something. He's supposed to be uh, tentatively dipping his toe in. But I think... I'm sure I've seen a quote that is... The way he sees at the moment, with the Super League scenario... We're in, we're in a we're in we're in chaos in our own game. It's totally and is anybody really. is anybody going to want to invest in that with the situation where we are now? Well, just to sum up the statement from London Broncos uh, announced yesterday, they've instructed lawyers to file a notice of intention to appoint administrators. This allowed ten working days for the club to work with the RFL and other parties to resolve the club's future and prevent any creditor from taking action against the club in this period. So 10 days from now, we'll see us at the beginning of a week after next. I think uh, the situation possibly come a little bit clearer then. Although if it's like anything like with the Bradford Bulls situation, it's something that's going to rumble on for a while, possibly even into the start of next season mm. when they're going to be having to host games and travel to games without even a full squad, it's looking like. Gentlemen, shall we leave it there? Yes, yeah, a sad state of affairs as we've come up to the biggest occasion in rugby league. And let's end on a time. high now because... We've got to hear from uh, Sean O'Loughlin now, who played uh, in the weekend against France. And he also admits that they've got to do a bit more of an improved performance against New Zealand if they're to make it through to the final. Good, obviously, to get the win. We're in knockout, knockout stages now, so most important thing is to get, get in the next round, which we've done. But I think as a performance, a little bit disappointing. With, um, again, there's been glimpses of some good stuff, but as a whole, probably not good enough going forward and uh, gives us gives us some work, work to do this week and hopefully we can do better on the fall and next weekend against the Kiwis because we're pretty we're well aware of the big step up next week and if we if probably if we play like that then we won't be in the final. 
some expansive rugby league, but those two tries in three minutes in that uh, second quarter gave you that buffer after they did perhaps shot you and take the lead. Yeah, I think I think the lads probably felt felt comfortable throughout the game and that that probably didn't, didn't get the best out of us. Hopefully next week we know we know it's gonna be a tough game that, comp- that tougher, tougher test, that's the test, and uh, playing at Wembley as well. Hopefully, that build brings the best out of us. And you got over the uh, whitewash yourself. Yeah, nice to get over. Double, double metallic for the year with that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to score two. I don't get too many, so yeah, good to get one in English. And again, we'll talk. I'll just talk about the New Zealand uh, game in a, in a minute. But to fit in uh, Sam Tompkins. Last game for a few years, gets man of the match for England here at the DW. Yeah, Sam's, Sam's an awesome player. And great to get one one more opportunity to play alongside him before before he leaves, especially at this, at this stadium. So, yeah, he's a um, quality player, going to be missed missed by uh, by the Wigan club, but also by the fans in general in rugby league. So, to not see him week, out, week in, week out playing over his, going to be a loss to Super League, but... Hopefully we'll, we'll see him. We'll still see him on the English scene, and uh, hopefully a few years time he might be back over. Here. A couple of times we've touched on New Zealand, and it is them next. And uh, we just talk about the, the clashes as such. I mean, you're going to have Sam Tompkins against uh, at the moment the person who's wearing the jersey that he wants to take next season. Yes, yeah, uh, probably uh, funny, funny position for Sam to be in, but. I don't think I don't think either them, them players will be worried too much about that. It's, it's about about the national national team at this point, and um, we know we know with New Zealand have got a lot of lot of quality in the side. I'm watching the games they've had up to now, they're a big physical side, but they've got a lot of skill. And like I said, we, we know we've got to be better than than this to, if we want to get a win against them. And the win will take you to the final, so it's, it's going to be a big ask because you know that they play. Well, I'm sure you've seen the games. They play some good stuff today as well, haven't they? Definitely, yeah. They've they've. Um, They've played some real good stuff. Uh, I think we have at times, but probably not not as consistent as they've been. So we know we'll probably go into that game probably underdogs, but probably puts us under a bit more pressure. I don't think. I think the games we've had up to now, we've been expected to win, and now we're, we're coming up against a team much. Um, what everyone's probably saying should beat us, but um, I think that kind of pressure on us now to, to perform and being at Wembley, then hopefully that brings the best out of the boys. You've been listening to In Touch, the extra podcast on City Talk 105.9. I'm Laura Moss. Steve Manning was here too. And Mike Appleton, thank you both very much for joining us again tonight. Thank you. Good night. Be there at Wembley. Thanks. Good night. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9.